We just simply support each other as like-minded professionals. And I think expats, they're professional as well. And and as I mentioned, they've got high standards. So we can deliver a holistic service. It's not just a removalist. It's not just a tax advice. It's everything you need as a package to make your life easier moving from one country to another or back to your home country is all there on tap for you. Welcome everyone to another episode in our podcast series, Moving to Expat Land. This week, my guest is Rich Harvey, founder and CEO of Property Buyer, a leading national buyer's advocate group in Australia. A licensed real estate buyer's agent, Rich is a property investor and professional economist with over 20 years experience in the property industry. Rich specializes in the prestige luxury market in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, the North Shore and the Northern Beaches. Rich holds a Master of Economics from Macquarie University and is a qualified property investment advisor. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome Rich to the show today. Good morning, Rich. How are you? Good morning, John. Great to be on your podcast. Thanks very much. Most welcome. Australian uh, property is a subject that's uh, dear to my heart and uh, the Sydney E-Team, for those of this stage know what an E-Team is, is also our first E-Team. So we'll be finding out what an E-Team is as we go through the podcast. It's a fine group of people and uh, I'm looking forward to you sharing uh, your experiences with us today. Absolutely. Very much looking forward to that too. Let's kick off. So perhaps you can tell us a bit about Rich Harvey, um, where you grew up and uh, how you got into the line of work you're doing. Sure. So my company is called Property Buyer. I'm known as a buyer's agent or buyer's advocate. So what that means is that we represent the buyer 100% and uh, we're completely independent of the selling agents. And yeah, I've been running my business for 22 years this year, John. So I've been a long time. Still time for a sabbatical, I think. (laughs) Wow. 22 years. Yeah, I grew up in Sydney, grew up in Linfield and uh, went to Macquarie University. I did two degrees in economics, got a master's in economics, and I actually studied environmental economics and thought that I was a bit of a greenie at the time and thought I'd save the world through uh, through that sort of stuff and got a job with the Forestry Commission and then with the Environment Protection Authority and did a lot of policy work, a lot of cost-benefit analysis work on environmental policies. And that was quite interesting for about 10 years. But what I'd do every day, I would catch the train to work, John, I would get a book about property or podcasts weren't really the thing in those days. It was more books and seminars and whatever. And I would educate myself on property. So every week I would read a book. I'd also read self-improvement books. And that's how I, I really got into property. And it just grew, my passion grew from there. And I started investing in property on the side and realized I could make more money from my property investing than I could from my job as an economist and went, oh, wow. And I remember, you'd like this from a tax perspective, I remember the um, HR lady, she gave me my group certificate and said, Rich, how do you pay no tax? And I said, oh, it's simple. You just buy property and your negative gear and you do this. And, oh, well, how, show me how you do that. So I thought there's a niche right there to educate people on how to structure and buy properties really well. So that's a little bit of a summary of how I uh, started. Yeah. Well, I have to say, being a buyer's advocate, probably better than being an economist. With all apologies oh. to my economist mates out there. <laughs> well, you know how economists read the menu, don't you? Uh, from right no. to left, you know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the other joke about economists is they always make assumptions, right? And uh, they say they know that the price of everything and the value of nothing. <laughs> 
At what point did you decide you wanted to set up a business and be your own boss? I think probably toward the end of my tenure as the principal economist for the EPA, I was doing a lot of work on Sydney's air and water pollution controls. I particularly worked out some really clever analysis on the health savings that would come from this particular policy. Anyway, it got through, got ticked off, went up to the Director General, he passed it on to the politicians and it got to Cabinet. And I remember they were debating it one particular day and all the politicians said, no, nah, it's too hard, too costly, we're going to shelve it. And it was like a year and a half's work gone down the drain, in my view. And it was so frustrating. It was like the machinery of government just moved way too slow for my liking. And at that moment, it was a sort of a light bulb moment for me. And, and I switched. I decided to quit my job. And it was a really difficult time because your cash flow is very difficult in your first year of business. And But we survived, you know, through the right sort of connections and persistence and getting the right advisors around me. We persisted. And to this day, I still love the joy that we get from helping our clients achieve their property goals. But setting up a business is not for the faint-hearted. As you know, it's really challenging. Yep. A lot of businesses fail in the first three to five years, but we've been going 22 years. You know, we're through many, many cycles of ups and downs of the property market. We're going through another one right now. And you've just got to be really creative and smart and stay three steps ahead. So I'm interested why you decided to act for buyers and not sellers. So maybe you could talk about, you know, for those who don't know anything about acting for buyers versus sellers, a lot of people will sell property, but maybe in some countries of the world, having someone help you buy a property is not common. So what does a buyer's advocate do? A buyer's advocate represents the purchaser throughout the whole entire transaction. The first step is understanding the brief. So if you send us a client that's looking for to buy a home in the eastern suburbs or the beaches, we'll sit down with them and get an understanding of what their needs and what their requirements are. And we try to future-proof their needs. So you've got to understand their, their situation, their budget, yeah. and we help them really create a strategy. And then from there, we give the client some information on the areas that we're targeting for them. So really giving them background education on median prices, days on market, uh, with all the amenities of the area, uh, what the average growth rates are, the rental yields, etc. And then from there, we start searching and finding individual properties that meets the client's needs and their budget. And we'll go out, inspect them, and that saves them huge amounts of time. So really, instead of the person going out on their own, trying to look, or if they're an expat, trying to fly back to Australia, it's just too hard. Uh, we take all of that stress out of it for them. Give them some independent advice on what it's actually worth in today's market because the market's changing. It's gone down a fair way and we tell them what it's worth based on relevant and recent comparable mm. sales. And then we step into the due diligence and the negotiation phase. So we'll organise for a pest and building report to be done, mm -hmm. a contract to be reviewed by a solicitor, negotiate any special conditions and terms, and then we get the offer accepted or otherwise we're ready to go to auction if it's an auction property yeah. uh, with a pre-agreed limit. And then it's a matter of negotiating, and that's a real skill in itself. We get the property accepted, offer accepted, then exchanged. Uh, so it goes, we go to an unconditional contract. And then the last step in the process between what we call exchange and settlement is the pre-settlement inspection and organising a property manager if they're going to lease it out for any period mm -hmm. of time. So essentially, a buyer's advocate is someone who represents you throughout the entire purchasing journey, you know, takes all of that stress and hassle away, organises all of the inspections and does, it's like a concierge service for property. Well, that's a very good way of putting it. I like that concierge service for property. It's a good tagline, that one, Rich. One of the things that occurs to me with expats is when they come to Australia, many of them would think about renting versus buying. So what's the state of the rental market in Sydney at the moment? 
Look, John, the, the rental market is very tight. It's very competitive. Vacancy rates are probably down to about 1% at the moment. Uh, in Brisbane, they're down to 0.7%. Melbourne's around 1%. Now, the typical vacancy rate in Sydney long term has been around 2 to 2.5%. So there's a dramatic shortage of rental properties. And rents have gone up last year in Sydney over 11.5%. And I think they're actually due to rise another 10 to 11% this year simply because we're not keeping up with demand. We're not constructing enough dwellings to keep up with migration and natural population increase. So I think for the expat coming back, it's going to be challenging. To answer your question, I guess, around should you rent or buy, it's it's an individual question that you need to address. Um, like for some people, they want to get their kids into a particular school. We can identify particular properties within the school catchment before they come home and actually get them set up so they're ready, kids are ready to start. They don't have to commute right across town. So in that case, it might be better to buy straight away if we can set it all up. For other people who just aren't really sure about what lifestyle they want, whether they want to be close to the beach or close to the city or further in the burbs, it really just depends. And we can have that discussion and guide them in their thinking. Yeah. So for those people who are not up with the Aussie slang at the moment, the burbs is the suburbs. (laughs) But uh, the other thing you picked up on, um, which I'd like to uh, have you explain a little bit, is this concept of a school and a catchment. Because uh, some expats may think they can live in Northbridge and and then send the kid to school in in the eastern suburbs. So maybe you want to touch on that. The school catchments are clearly defined geographic boundaries where you need to live in a particular suburb in order to send your child to a particular school. Now, some of the schools have quite large catchments, others have fairly narrow catchments. So it's really important, depending on the type of education you want for your child, whether it's a Catholic school, Christian school, independent school, whatever it is, that you know and understand and contact that school and understand what suburbs you need to live in. And we can identify those, help you identify those and find properties that will work there. The other thing with that, John, is that it's been shown that property values for uh, properties located in those schools catchments actually rise at a slightly faster rate than average because of those schools. Right. So that's another sort of benefit from a capital growth perspective. Yeah. So can you perhaps take someone through, apologies to those Aussie expats who know this, but for the ones that don't, take someone through a typical buying process. They put their deposit down and then plans change, you know, the assignment falls through or just what's the typical pathway? So first thing you need to have is your finance pre-approved and your 10% deposit ready. So let's say you're buying a $3 million home. You'll typically need $300,000 sitting in cash in an account ready to put down and transfer to the solicitor's trust account once you've found a property. Process is you find a property, you're happy with it, you make an offer, you get what's called offer and acceptance, and then the contract is issued. Your solicitor will review that and then you've got to put down that 10% deposit. Now, if it's an auction property, when the fall of the hammer comes down, you are going unconditional. You cannot back out of that contract. So you must have everything lined up. You need to be 100% sure there's no structural damage or any other problems or encumbrance or easements or any restrictions on that property. Uh, That's really important. If it's a private treaty negotiation, you can often negotiate a five-day cooling-off period. And what happens there, John, is you put down 0.25% of the purchase price as a holding deposit, which is non-refundable if you back out. And then you've got five days to do your pest and building reports or any other searches that are needed. Then after five days, uh, after that cool-off expires, you then pay the balance of that 10% deposit. So I think it's really important that you can't just rock up unprepared to an auction 
or make an offer just hoping to get it and then try and back out. It's very, very strict rules around how you engage in buying a property in, in Australia, particularly Sydney. Thank you, because I think that's useful to those not familiar with our process. Does Australia have title insurance, Rich? Like a lot of my mates in the US put a lot of effort on getting title insurance. I've never seen any claims made for it, but it's just another, uh, I guess, safeguard that you can put in place if you're worried about that. Right. And do you help people working out if the timing of the market's hot or they should wait another six months? Because I'm sure the foreign buyer coming in doesn't know if they're going to miss the boat. How to take someone through a bit of this fear, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out problem? Yeah, that's a good question. So the FOMO thing was very apparent during COVID. We had a, a two-year period, I guess, probably six months after COVID started in March 2020, probably from the end of 2020 to toward the end of uh, probably October 2022, we saw property prices on the northern beaches, they went up 38.5%. So the most dramatic rise I've ever seen. Wow. Sydney on average has risen around 25%. It's come back about 12%. It's probably got another 3 or 4% to go before it levels out. At the moment, we are, our Reserve Bank, the RBA, is raising interest rates to curb inflation. We're currently at 335 I think we're likely to see it peak at around about 3.85 or 4.1. So that means we're probably going to see another two to three rate rises come. So again, that's going to put a dampening effect on the market. But a lot of the dampening expectation has already happened. And this is where, I guess, our advantage as buyers agents, we're at the coalface every week seeing what's going on at auction results. We're seeing how many people are turning up to inspections. We're seeing the number of buyers chasing each individual property. I guess a key point to make, John, is that property demand and supply is very localised. So you've got to understand the local dynamics and drivers of those markets. So my predictions are that in 2023, we'll see the property market decline a little bit more, but not much. We'll then hit the bottom of the market, and then we'll see the next property cycle kick in. Thank you. Another interesting thing that I get, obviously, is from people in America coming back, want to buy, uh, or Americans coming in. Do you have a case study maybe you can tell us about, you know, dealing with an expat and someone from a different culture and how they you help them adapt to the Aussie culture of doing a deal? Sure, sure can. Look, we helped a lovely couple from New York, particularly for their kids. And when we first met them, they had a brief as wide as the ocean. They were thinking about somewhere at Palm Beach. <laughs> they were thinking about the Southern Highlands. They were thinking about the Eastern Suburbs. My goodness, but they wanted to send their kids, talking about schools, yeah. to a, a school in the eastern suburbs. So I, I went and bid on this property at Avalon for them, and I said to them, but how are you going to get to school in the eastern suburbs? What, what are you thinking? Anyway, no. I'm pleased we missed out on that property. And then we sat down with them, had a very direct conversation around what's going to work for them, and then we settled on the eastern suburbs. Yeah. Anyway, cut a long story short, we negotiated a, a property at $8.5 million dollars. And we actually managed to beat another buying agent that was also trying to compete with one of their clients on it because we were able to move fast, get the solicitor involved. Anyway, they're going to do a, a $2 million renovation on this property <laughs> and make it look amazing. But what I'm saying is they love the experience because they got access to a property. They didn't have to spend all of their budget. It was an outcome that was just fantastic. Nice, quiet street. It ticked all of their boxes and they're raving fans of the process now. So they had a great experience. Yeah, well, I think that's a good story. Have you seen any horror stories early on that you want to warn people against? I mean, other uh, might be industry experience. Particularly with foreign buyers who are not, so don't have Australian residency or permanent residency, and they didn't realise all the fees they have to pay. With FIRB, you have to nominate a property, 
you pay tens of thousands of dollars. And then if you don't succeed, bad luck, it's gone. And also with people buying off the plan, that's another a particularly hazardous area for a lot of either expats or overseas buyers to be wary of. And buying from, you know, I won't use the word, but dodgy developers or developers with not the right reputation. Um, and there's been a lot of issues, particularly with two buildings in Sydney, where there was major structural defects and people have had to move out for almost two years to have these defects repaired and then the value of their property goes down. So it's really important that you get local knowledge and local expertise from people who know the quality of the right developer, know the location and can advise you as to what to avoid and what's going to work for your, your situation. If you wouldn't mind expanding for someone who doesn't know what the FIRB is, what is that and how does it actually impact the foreigner? So the FIRB stands for the Foreign Investment Review Board. And basically, if you are a foreign national, that is, you don't have permanent residency, you're only allowed to buy brand new property or you can buy land, but you must build within on that land within two years of purchasing that particular land. So there's various application fees that you need to pay. And basically, the FIRB will approve or disapprove the property purchase based on the national interest. So there's a particular range of standards that you have to, or hoops you've got to jump through before you can buy a property. So there's quite a lot of Australian property groups, you know, particularly in Asia Pacific, uh, going up and selling Australian property, home units and other things to uh, buyers in that part of the world. What would you say to someone who's tempted to go to a seminar uh, in Hong Kong or Singapore or Bangkok or somewhere and just buy straight off the seminar? I'd say go and take a cold shower and renege on the contract straight away. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I, I would because I have been over to Hong Kong and Singapore many times and I have spoken at those property expos where a lot of the developers go over. They have the little you know, scale model of their, their apartment block and they're flogging them off the plan. So a lot of the unsuspecting buyers don't really know what they're buying. They don't know the aspect. They don't know the quality of the finishes. They don't know the reputation. They're sold the dream. And one of the clauses that often traps these buyers out is there's a variation clause in the contract. Let's say you're buying a two-bedroom apartment and it says it's going to be 95 square metres. You could actually end up with a 90-square-metre apartment because there's a clause in there that says the developer may vary it by up to 5% or 10% or whatever number they put in there. So I think you've got to ask the question, do they value up? Because some of these properties are actually overpriced or don't value up. If you're getting a loan against these properties and suddenly you've paid $2 million for this apartment, but the valuation's 1.8, you're 200 short. Who's going to pay for that? Well, you've got to pay for it out of your own pocket, not the bank. So you've got to be very careful that you don't overcommit to a property that won't value up correctly. Yes. Now, I have seen property clubs going up there selling Aussie property and uh, well over the odds and people can't get finance and things. But look, it's just good to be aware. Um, so an interesting question I often get is, can somebody help me in another state? So maybe you just tell people about your business and how you might be able to help people if they're not buying in New South Wales. Sure. So we are licensed in uh, Victoria, so for Melbourne and Queensland. And I've been the president of the Buyers Agent Association of Australia. So I've got a network of buying agents right around the country. So I can help anyone that's buying, who's an expat or an overseas buyer that wants to buy into Australia. So there's no problem in, in providing that level of service. So we've got a lot of our home buyers are actually moving from Sydney to Melbourne or Brisbane to Melbourne or whatever. So they're moving interstate. We can help them. And I have localized people on the ground. That's good to know because I think Sydney's a 
greatest city in Australia, but I would. I'm from Sydney. So, you know, but a lot of other people don't want to be here. So, Rich, maybe you can tell us what attracted you to the idea of being part of the Expat Land Global Network and the Sydney E-Team and maybe some of your experiences. How does this group of people work together? Yeah, I really love being part of the Expat Land team. I, I, I love the fact that we're actually a team. So we have a solicitor, we've got a tax accountant, we've got a financial planner, we've got a migration agent, we've got a removalist, and, and we give each other referrals. You know, no money changes hand. We just simply support each other as like-minded professionals. And I think expats, they're professional as well. And as I mentioned, they've got high standards. So we can deliver a holistic service. It's not just a removalist. It's not just a tax advice. It's everything you need as a package to make your life easier moving from one country to another or back to your home country is all there on tap for you. I'll often chat with Matt about different tax advice and I'm amazed what comes out of his mouth. Some of the advice he has given is fantastic. And and Scott, who we know is, is our financial planner, he, he does some incredible work for his clients. Just the way he structures things. Our solicitor, Stephen, he's great. He really understands how to protect you in a transaction. So I guess just like we're buying advocates as expat land, we are advocates for anyone in that situation and provide that that list of holistic services. And and they're great people to work with too, John. You know, like they're friendly and crack a joke and understand, but, you know, they get the job done really, really well. Well, that's part of the philosophy as to why I set up Expat Land. So for anyone listening for the first time who doesn't know what Expat Land Global Network is, uh, check us out. We've got e-teams in 38 cities around the world. And, you know, our job is to help you, the expat, settle in and find people who you can trust. Rich, one of the things I would like to ask you about is what you think living in Sydney is like. How long have you been here? Tell someone what it's like to come and live and settle in and all that sort of good stuff. It's great. It's uh, one of the best cities in the world. I, I've travelled around the world quite a lot. And every time I catch a plane home and fly over the Harbour Bridge, my heart just jumps. It's just like I'm back home. It feels so good. So the reason why, we have some of the best beaches in the world. So I live on the northern beaches. I'm a bit of a surfer. I'm not very good, but I love taking my board down, having a surf in the morning. I play golf before work. I'm a swimmer. Uh, there's some fantastic bush areas. It's amazing, the city. You've got these different pockets. If you're a foodie, you can really enjoy eating out all these fantastic restaurants. You've got the new casino. You've got some really high-class apartments. You've got the harbour. Like the harbour just shines, especially around New Year's Eve and summertime. Oh, where do I finish, mate? There's so much to go on about. So coming from another culture, what, what advice would you give to a foreign national about settling in and making friends with Australians? Have you got any sort of tips you want to share with people? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to get a sense of community around you as soon as you can. So you should be joining, you know, some social clubs, whether it's a, a tennis club or a dancing club or a religious church or something. You've got to really get involved in your local community. And it's just as simple as, you know, there's different Facebook groups set up for different suburbs. Get on there and just put out a post, hey, I've just arrived. I'm looking for someone to mow my lawns or I'm looking for something to do or my kids are looking for a sports club. Like, that's the way to meet other people. It might be the soccer group or cricket or something like that. It's really important to get connected at the grassroots level so you don't feel alone. And you'll be amazed at how many people want to embrace you. So I'd really encourage your expats, if they're coming back, to just embrace the local community. Rich, we often, as CST, get a lot of clients that are coming to Australia to set up business as part of their visa conditions. Tell us a bit more about your commercial property division, how they can help the commercial buyer. Yeah, so we have a principal commercial buying agent 
and we have a, a full-time research analyst we're supported by. What we can do for businesses is uh, identify the right premises that will, will suit their operations or if they're expanding their operations. We help some major franchises to help them grow their portfolio and their platform here in Australia. We're currently helping a major QSR, quick service restaurant, expand their footprint. So we can go in and identify the right zonings uh, for where their business would be appropriately located. And we can also help um, investors to find a great quality commercial buyer to add to their portfolio and making sure that the, the net return and the leasing is appropriate. Uh, we also can act as what's called a tenant rep, tenant representative. And uh, if they've got a, a reasonable size operation, we can go and find premises that they could lease because finding something, I mean, industrial property, for example, is a hot commodity at the moment, very, very short supply, whereas offices, uh, there's a lot of incentives to get offices leased, so we can get a, certainly a good deal in office. Uh, retail as well is struggling, so we can definitely get uh, some good deals there. So it's important to know the localised area and what the foot traffic's like and, and what the zoning's going to be appropriate for their businesses. So what's next for you and, and your business, Rich? Tell us a little bit about what your business is going to do 2023. John, I've actually managed to double my business over the COVID period. I've got 26 staff. Uh, we've got offices in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Gold Coast, Newcastle now. Um, and we've expanded our range of services. So we help home buyers, property investors, commercial buyers and developers. And our commercial team is really kicking some goals. So a lot of people looking to buy a premises or lease a premises, we can help them. And also commercial investors looking for a strong return, very much in that space, helping them find the right kind of properties. And we're also kicking some big goals in the development space. We're helping a lot of developers find sites. Um, and all of the sites we find are off-market, and there's some uh, some great opportunities there. So for me, goals um, going forward for 2023 is to keep building on our success. Um, last year, we were a finalist in the National Telstra Business Award, and out of 24,500 businesses, we were one of seven finalists wow. for being almost almost nominated as one of the top businesses in Australia. So, Congratulations. We're hoping to win a couple more awards this year. Uh, I'm actually heading over to Perth for the Real Estate Institute Awards next Thursday and uh, hoping to pick up an award there as well. Well, look, I can say as a, an accountant working with expats, I've seen the value that property advocates can deliver over the years. Buyers are often quite emotional on the auction day and they will put their hand up and try and buy something well over the odds. So if, if it can be done beforehand. So the back to the fees, if they pay the initial fee and then they don't actually do much, they don't complete with you, is that generally... I've got to say that's probably a uh, 0.001% of our clients that wouldn't complete and it would be probably because uh, <laughs> it's very, very extremely rare. So we have a six-month agreement and our clients typically buy within about 30, 60 days of engaging our services. Most people trying to do it on their own take about a year to a year and a half, so 12 to 18 months if you do it on your own. But with us as a buyer's advocate working with them, it's a much faster process. And I think, John... Another point I should have made before about the challenges for expats, often a lot of, we've seen a lot of relatives or a lot of expats put the task onto their relatives or a family member and it's too much responsibility. It really is. It's too much hassle and too much expectation to get, you know, an auntie or a friend to go and out to all the opens and, oh, you know, can you just look? It is. It's a huge responsibility and if they get it wrong, they're going to feel really bad. So it makes a lot of sense to outsource it to a buying agent who is professional and it's going to deliver a far better result for them as well. That was going to be one of my questions. If the expat has a relative in Australia, what have you seen 
can go wrong when the relative is bidding at an auction? Maybe you could take us through what you might have seen on site. Often they're emotionally tied to the process. They're worried that they're going to miss out for their son or daughter or friend or relative, and therefore they might bid too much or or not know quite what move to make at an auction or in a private treaty negotiation. So essentially, it's just putting too much expectation and too much reliance on that family member or friend to do that whole task of searching and negotiating. It really is an incredibly difficult process. And just the weight of responsibility is too much. And I've seen people overpay or make the wrong moves and miss out by just a couple of thousand dollars because they're not sure what they're doing. Yeah, I can imagine that just thinking if I had to go and buy a house for a relative, that would be quite a lot of pressure on me and I wouldn't really want to do it. It's been great uh, chatting with you, Rich. From my experience of knowing you and, and knowing your business, I think you know, you're know you one of the best in Australia, if not the best. Uh, I think we're really lucky to have you in our Expat Land Global Network community. Matthew speaks you know, very highly of the way you do the work. Rich is very approachable. So if anyone's got any questions at all, about the buying process, please shoot Rich an email. I wish you every success with your buying journey. Uh, Thanks for your time today, Rich. It's been a great interview. Thank you so much, John. Great being part of Expat Land. Thank you all for listening to us today. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to showcase how our members can help you move overseas. My name is John McCarrion, and I'm always ready to hear from you with any questions that you have please contact me via our website, expatland.com. Enjoy the journey.